0: Welcome to the South Cliff Podcast. We're glad you've joined us now. Here's Senior Pastor Dr. Carol Marr
1: with this week's sermon. We are the church. The body of Christ. A people of every nation.
0: Tribe and language. We are one. One. One.
1: Jesus prayed that we would be, one. One. one so a world divided, could see a people united, one in him, one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism,
0: one God, and Father,
1: one, one.
0: One. One. Well, good morning. Good to see you. Glad we're able to be back. And let me just say before I get into the message today, thank you to so many of you and your grow groups that were involved last week and our share week and share week activities. Thank you to Dr. Stu for heading that up. He always does such a great job reminding us of what we are about as a church and sharing the gospel and our Share partners. And so we had a good, good time and a good week and I'm grateful for that. Now today uh, we're gonna return to our fall emphasis talking about one and uh, really understanding or discovering unity in a world that is divided. And we've already spoken the value of unity and talked a little bit about some of the challenges that are there, but remind you that we have discovered that it really is the unity that we experience as Christ followers that makes us different from everybody else in the world. Um, It it is that that sets us apart, that we are so different. What I love about the bumper before the message today is that every one of those people that you heard are part of our church. And the diversity that is within our fellowship is certainly something that we see on a regular basis. And last time we were together and talking about this, Paul, in Ephesians chapter four, the passage that that referenced, says that unity is a gift that God gives to the church, but we've gotta really work hard to hang on to it. And the reason that we've gotta stop and talk about this is because it's so easy for us to fall back into an us and them, mentality, and even in the church. Now every now and then, you know there are those moments when we talk to our children that we feel like we shouldn't even have to have this conversation, but, but we're having to have it? I really feel like this is one of those opportunities that we have that we really shouldn't even have to say some of the things that we are having to say today. But we have an enemy, and Satan's desire is to divide and conquer. And there are so many ways that he divides us. So today we're going to return to our study and look together at a passage of scripture that is recorded in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you have your Bible, look with me if you will to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth and the church at Corinth is really struggling. There are a lot of issues that are going on in the life of the church and one of the major issues that has emerged as a result of the problems is that the church was just divided. In fact, when he comes to chapter 12 in chapter 11, he says, it has come to my attention that there's division among you, and I, I, I believe that. And as a result of that, he offers chapter 12 and talking about the diversity within the church that there are spiritual gifts, Paul says in the early part of chapter 12, That as a believer, when you come to faith in Christ, God gives you a spiritual gift. And not all of us get the same gift. There are diversity of gifts. God's the one that chooses based on his purpose and plan for our life, what gift we receive. And those gifts, because they are diverse, make us unique. And one of the things that was happening in the church that Satan was using this very gift that makes us unique to divide the church. And what was happening is people that had the same gift were huddling together and, and they didn't wanna have anything to do with the people that had another gift because they don't know what really is important. We know what's important because we've got this gift. And those people over there don't have that gift. And these people over here were saying, well we don't want to associate with you anyway. I wouldn't want that gift if God would give it to me. I'd tell him no, I like this gift and this is the better of the gift. And they begin to, to, to divide into groups and the, the unity that God had placed in the heart of the people began to, to erode. And so Paul writes about spiritual gifts and then finally he offers this amazing illustration It's an illustration that we sometimes use to describe the church when Paul says, guys, the church is like a body. The body is made up of many different members, all of them important, but that comes together and and, and the church is the body of Christ. And so in this particular passage of scripture, he, he talks to us about the body of Christ, one body. And today we're gonna focus our attention on that. Years ago, Charles Schultz is the creator of the uh, comic strip, Peanuts. And it was a daily uh, comic strip that occurred in the newspaper and many people followed it. And there was a period of time years ago when Snoopy had an accident and broke his leg. And uh, everyday comic strip kind of chronicled the struggles that Snoopy had with a broke leg. It was so popular that Snoopy actually received thousands of get well cards from people across the United States and fans of that particular comic strip. But on one occasion, Snoopy is is on his doghouse and he's looking at this big old cast that is on his leg and and he is just kind of contemplating and musing uh, about the challenges that he has had and, uh, and, and kind of looking at his plight. And he, and he offers these words in the comic strip that followed. My body blames my feet for not being able to go places. My foot says it's my head's fault and my head blames my eyes. And my eyes say my feet are clumsy and my right foot says not to blame him for what my left foot does. And in the next frame, Snoopy looks out into the face of his readers and he says this, I don't say anything because I don't want to get involved. (laughs) Now, you know what? I think that's pretty characteristic of our day, don't you? It's amazing that we live in a day-to-day that points fingers at everybody else as to the reason we're in the mess we're in. I know why our country's a mess. It's the Republicans' fault. I know why our country's in a mess. It's the Democrats' fault. I, it's Biden's fault. I mean, anybody knows that, that, that he's struggling. That's the fault. Well, no, the, the fault is that he followed Trump and Trump created this mess we're in. It's Trump's fault. But we never want to look at ourselves and take any responsibility because I, I really don't want to get involved. It's always somebody else's fault. And the same has made its way into our home and it'll make its way into our church if we're not careful because satan is constantly looking for ways to edge out and eat away at the influence we have and the bible makes it clear that the one thing that kind of separates us from the rest of the world is that this is the place where that doesn't happen this should be the one place that there's no racism this should be the one place where we don't divide into groups. We, we have something bigger that holds us together. We're better than that. Well, in the text before us, Paul is addressing that particular issue. And he offers this illustration of one body, the body of Christ, So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we find these words. Now here, Paul is going to admonish, he's going to confront, he's going to encourage. He begins by talking about spiritual gifts and and how that they make us unique, but they are used by the enemy to divide us and we are to hold together as one. And then he gives this illustration to show us why. Beginning with verse 12, he says, but even as the body is one, Yet has many members, all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body. So also is Christ." For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks or slave or free. Now, in that, Paul addresses the divisions that were in that church. There were some that were of a Jewish background, and they considered themselves the chosen people of God better than those who were Greek. They, They are favored, and Paul was saying, guys, it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Greek or slave or free. There were some who were slaves. Some had chosen to be indentured slaves to others, to to get out from under a debt, and they were looked down upon. And Paul said, it doesn't matter if you're a slave or free. In our day and age, he would go through some of the things that change or separate us. He says, we were all made to drink of one spirit, for the body is not one member but many. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body, is it not for this reason any less a part of the body? If your ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not part of the body, is it not for this reason any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? And if the hold were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as He desired. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it's much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which are deemed less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor and our less presentable members become much more presentable. Whereas our more presentable members have no need of it, but God has so composed the body giving more abundant honor to the members which lacked So that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all of the members rejoice with it. Now now you are Christ's body, individually members of it. And God is appointed in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, the gifts of helps, or healing, and helps, and administration, and all kinds of tongues. And not all are apostles, are they? Or prophets, are they? Not all are teachers, are they? Or workers of miracles, are they? Don't All people don't have the gift of healing, do they? Or speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? but earnestly desires the greater gift. And and I will still show you a more excellent way. Now, Paul's not finished talking here. And he jumps now into chapter 13, which we call the great love chapter, where Paul says, guys, here's the bottom line. We just gotta love each other. When the love of Christ lives in us, we overlook the things that make us different and we find unity. We're better than this. We rise above this and... We're now in a position where we can make an impact in the world. Well in our time together today, I think as Paul gives us this illustration of the body of Christ, there are three things that he offers to us. Now they're so obvious that it doesn't take a seminary degree to figure it out. So obvious that, that really what I wanna say is why should we even have to have this conversation? But nonetheless, Just as the church in Corinth was struggling, we today struggle. So Paul says, here it is. Number one, let me give you the picture of the body of Christ so that you'll recognize one truth. That is, everyone is needed. Everybody in the body of Christ is important. We're all needed. it's imperative that we understand it. he begins by establishing the fact that there is no part of the body of Christ that is inferior or unnecessary. We are all needed. Now, you need to hear that because some of you don't think you are needed and others of you think other people are not needed. But the truth is, we all are needed. And Paul says every part of the body of Christ is there by design. He ultimately is saying this. We are to place high value on one another. So my question is, is it even possible to do that? We live in a world today that is so divided that many, even that are Christ followers, have embraced the idea of the world, and, and, and this is what I see when I look at the world around me. We have come to the place where if people are different than we are or have a different opinion, this is, this is what happens. We, instead of, of, of thinking that you are a good person with a bad idea, we believe that you are a bad person because of your idea. Because you don't agree with me, it doesn't mean you're a good person who happens to disagree with me. We have come to believe you're a bad person because you believe that. That there's only one way to see things. Now, let's just get in the weeds for a second. What does it look like in the world that we live in today? Well, if you believe that there should be open borders, then you're a bad person because good people would never think that. That's a horrible idea. But then there are others who would say, but if you want to build a wall on the southern border, you're a bad person. No one could have that opinion and be good and we've come to a place where we no longer recognize that you can be a good person with a different idea and and I think what God is saying is you know what this is hard to stomach but maybe we need both what would happen if a person if we put people in a room and and there are people that were passionate that we are to have open borders and we say tell me why do you believe that What is it, the heart of it? What is it? Let's drill down deep enough to determine the passion of your heart. And will you listen for a moment as we drill down and you hear the passion of my heart? And what might happen is that as I listen to your passion and you listen to mine, we may together say, you know what? I think there's an answer for that. But as long as I think you're a bad person because you don't look at things the way I do, we'll never have those conversations. We could drill down just as easily whether you wear a mask or you don't wear a mask. Oh, if you wear a mask, then, then, you, then you're, you're a lamb following behind everybody else. You're a bad person. Or we say, well, no, because you don't wear a mask. You're a bad person. You don't care about the people around you. We could carry the same thing to the vaccine. Do you see how everything in our world is designed to divide us? And I want to tell you something. It is not just out there. It's in the church. And God says it should have no place in the church. We're bigger than that. Now he is not saying we should not have an opinion. It's okay to have an opinion. My wife tells me often that I have opinions. Not wrong, but what he is simply saying is that we're not all the same, maybe by design. God says we are all needed, all important. In fact, there are some in our world today that would even take the words of Jesus and say, well, you know what, when he says that we're all the body of Christ, I'm not even sure that you can say, pastor, that that means every person in the body of Christ is needed because there are organs within the body that are not needed. There's even a term for that, did you know that? Vestigial organs are organs within the human body that are not needed. What's really interesting about that is that it was vestigial organs that Darwin used when he was talking about the fact that we have evolved over time, and he used vestigial organs as an example of that, saying that there are some things in our body that are left over from our ancestors. The fact that we have an appendix. We don't know where it comes, we don't know what it does. Maybe it served some purpose in the past when we had a different form. We've got wisdom teeth that we don't need. There are all these, in fact, in Darwin's day, there was 180 of these things that were identified. Now, what's really interesting today, there are only seven, maybe six, depending on who you ask. And the reason that it's gone from 180 to six is not because, um, well, it's because we've discovered what those organs that we didn't know do, do. And I would suggest to you that we're fearfully and wonderfully made, and I don't think there's anything in us that is not supposed to be there, and and, and if we don't know where the appendix, why they're there and, and what purpose they serve, all I would say to you is just give it time. You just gotta be patient. Science, it takes science a while to catch up with the Bible. Science is a new discipline. And there are many things that it took science a while to figure out, but the Bible had already established. So I think that, that one day we're going to discover that everything in the human body has a purpose and a value. And what Paul is saying is, hey, just like we would look at the body and every part of the body functions important, so it is with the body of Christ. We're all needed. I guess he is ultimately saying this, don't think that you're not important and don't think that you don't have anything to offer and don't think that others are not needed as well. Secondly, I think it would have us to recognize this. We are all essential. Now, it almost sounds like the same thing. We're all needed, we're all essential, but, but there is a subtle difference. All body parts are needed and, and because of that, none of them are more important than others. Oh, but maybe they are. All of them are needed, but that doesn't mean that some are not needed more than others. And what happened in the church was that they began to divide into different segments of people based on spiritual gifts. And and their ideas were that, that if you have a certain spiritual gift, you're more important than other people in the life of the church. I mean, it often was those gifts that everybody could see. And, and and though we don't sometimes make those designations based on gifts, we do make those designations in our church life today based on observation. Some of you would say, Well, of course I'm not as important as the pastor. And you know what the Bible say, Well, yeah, you are. You're part of the same body of Christ that I am. I don't have a more vital position in the body of Christ than you do. I'm not more important. Listen, I need you just as desperately as you need me. We're all, we're all essential. Sometimes we look and say, but, 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 but the people that are on the platform, those are the ones that are essential. Those are the ones that make it happen. But do you know if none of these people showed up, we still have church. We still worship, we're still the body of Christ. And every one of us are essential. All of us have a place of responsibility. All of us embrace values that that make us essential. And it makes me wonder sometimes, how how are we ever gonna get there? Can we get there? As Paul talked about the spiritual gifts, I'll, I'll share this illustration with you very quickly because it kind of helps us understand the value of of what he is addressing here. Um, there are numerous spiritual gifts, and in fact, one of the greatest problems is that God gives every person who is a believer a spiritual gift. If, you are a, a, if you've accepted Jesus as Savior, you have a spiritual gift. Now, the real problem is many of you don't know what it is. And that's tragic, and I would encourage, we we go through a new member class here, and as a part of our new member class, we have a test we give you to kinda help you figure out what is your spiritual gift, because we believe that God's given you that gift so that you can exercise that gift within the body of Christ. But there are ways that you can kinda figure that out, and one of the illustrations I sometimes use to help you figure out what it is, that is let's just pretend that we, we just finished up service and we have a cafeteria connected to our church, and we all go to the cafeteria and eat and so most of us have already gotten our plate we're sitting down eating together with our family but there are still a few people that are grabbing a tray and they're going through the line and they're getting their food and 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 one person goes through the line and as they turn to go and sit down they slip and fall and they they take a nasty fall and their food hits the ground and food goes everywhere and everybody's Attention is turned to them. Now, how you react to that moment sometimes is an indication to what your spiritual gift is. There are some people when they see that, immediately, if they have the gift of helps, immediately they run to the broom closet to get a mop. They run and they begin to clean that up. Nobody asks them to do it. They just run and do that. It is what they do. If you have the gift of prophecy, the gift of prophecy, as Paul talks about in Ephesians or in 1 Corinthians 12, is the gift of preaching, the gift of, uh, of forth telling, not, not telling the future, but preaching. You've got a gift of preaching. What you might do is say, hey, let me tell you three reasons why that happened. And we can learn from this, three points that I want you to walk away with today from this, or if you're teaching, you might say, hey, what could we learn? You got the gift of teaching. What could we learn from this today? The gift of administration is a person over there saying, you know, if we don't fix that, we're gonna get sued, buddy. We need to get a rubber mat and put there and and kind of figure that out and and how that works. And, And a person with the gift of mercy, If you got the gift of mercy, just cry. It just breaks your heart. Oh, my gosh, I'm so embarrassed for them. That is just so, oh, I'd feel awful if that was me. And that's horrible. You don't help. You just cry, you know. A gift of encouragement runs over there to them and says, oh, I am so sorry. But you can do it. Come on. We're going to go through it together. You're going to do it. We're going to beat this thing. You know, let's get another tray and go through it. Sometimes that demonstrates those differences. But the truth is we're different. And Paul said, God put us here with our differences on purpose, not to irritate one another, but to become the body. And every one of us are essential, and Paul goes on to say this, even the parts of the body that are without honor. He said, you know, there are some parts of the body that we're not as quick to share with everybody else. And isn't it interesting that even those parts of the body that we would deem less honorable get more attention than the parts of the body that we expose to other people? But because we clothe that part of our body, we spend a lot of time on that part. And so Paul says, you know what, there is no dishonorable part of the body. You're important, every one of you and we are to value one another, we're to recognize that each other is essential, and when we have an attitude that says, I need you, you may be different, you may think different, you may drive me crazy because your opinions are different, but I need you, and you need me, and you're essential because God puts you here and we can't do what God's called us to do without you. You're an essential part of that. It's because of our values. And I wanna tell you something. Don't ever expect that to happen to the world. I don't think it ever will. And I believe the reason that it won't is because we have already talked about this. Remember, Paul said, if we're gonna have unity, there are some things that we have to value above others. Paul said, if we're gonna have unity, we gotta be humble, we've gotta have compassion, and we gotta have patience. We live in a world today that does not value humility. We live in a world that does not value patience. We want everything right now. We live in a world that does not value compassion. The world will never know unity because they don't have the values that we have. But as a child of God, we value humility because that's Christlikeness. I value love because that's who Jesus is. I value patience. In fact, the Bible says that if I let the Holy Spirit live in me as he wants to, the evidence of the Holy Spirit living in me is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, all of those things that make this possible, are the result of the Holy Spirit in me. That's why it has to be in the church when it's not in the world. And it's only through us leading the world to him that they can know and give themselves to something bigger. The third thing that he says is this, or the third purpose I think of his statement, is that he wants us to understand that not only do we need each other and we're essential, but we are all connected. Now he speaks to how we're related to one another. How do we live this out? We're connected, we're dependent upon one another. Paul really is at this point talking about body life. This is the best part of being a part of the body of Christ. He said, let me tell you something unique about the body of Christ. When one member suffers, everybody does. And when one member rejoices, everybody does. In the body of Christ, when one person, one family has a baby and and, and we have an opportunity to celebrate, we all are excited about it. And we gather together and we're pumped and we're, man, God answered your prayer. We're so excited for you and we're gonna pray for you. And we're gonna, listen, we have people all over the life of this church who have gifts that give to the church to teach that child that's not even theirs, the Bible. Teach the principles. We partner with parents so that when that baby's old enough to hear the voice of God, it's some teacher that has worked with them just like mom and dad in our church to bring them to that place and we rejoice with them. And when that little baby gets saved, man, we are pumped and excited and we clap and we hoop and we holler when they're baptized and we rejoice when they graduate and we're excited when they get in body to college and we're thrilled when they get married. We're, we're part of each other's life. And when sadness comes, and we're sad too. And when you have a loss, it's my loss. There's nothing like the church when sadness comes, people come to us. They don't ask, they just do, don't they, you know? It's kind of show up at your door with food. And they say, I don't know what else to do, but you shouldn't have to worry about that at this point. So here, our Sunday school class. Man, I, we've got Bible study groups in our church, and. We don't, or- we don't orchestrate that, we don't ask for that, but somebody will get sick, and they, man, they've got a list and provide meals every day for months for families that are struggling because when you hurt, we all hurt. Every one of us know what it's like to stump your toe in the middle of the night. All of us know if you have children what it is to step on that infamous Lego. When one part of the body hurts, you feel it all the way to the top of your head. But that's what makes the body of Christ the body of Christ. And you know what's really fun? Is the body of Christ is so good at that, we step outside the circles of the body of Christ and that's where the world begins to see our unity because we come together as the church to meet needs that are not even ours as a body of Christ. We got a bunch of guys that just got back from Louisiana last week with a Texas Baptist men because of the flooding from the hurricane, they went down there, they got up at four o'clock in the morning, worked till 10.30 every day, all night, cooking, providing meals, cutting down trees with chainsaws, mudding out houses of people they don't even know. Using the gifts and abilities God gave them. I don't know of any other organization that does that. There are other organizations that show up. A lot of people are paid to do that. But you know what's funny to me that I don't see other world religions doing that. I never see a bunch of Buddhists getting together to say, let's go and help. I don't see, maybe they do, I don't see it. I don't, I don't see the Hindu religion saying, you know what? These people are struggling, why don't we go? It's, it's Christian, it's, it's the body of Christ that does that. It's God in us. In fact, the way this all comes together is that Paul says, you know what? We're the body and Christ is the head. So here's how it comes down. I think you're valuable because he says you are. He's the head. He says that you're needed, so you're needed. He says you're essential, so you're essential. He says, I live my life based on the leading of the head, we're one in him. And us being in him makes us bigger than anything that makes us different. Ultimately, I think he's saying this, Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative, black, white, mask, no mask, vaccine, no vaccine, add what you will to the list and then let it go. we're one in him. I tried to find an illustration of this. How we are better when we're together and how we work when we have a bigger pros- project and purpose. And I found this one clip that I think might kind of give us a picture of how we're able to do things that uh, that we would never be able to do separated, but together we can and how we can, side by side with differences, make a difference in the world for the kingdom of heaven. And the story comes from a little little story in an out of the way place in Nebraska. There was a guy living there who had a barn and it was an old barn, been there for over 100 years and and a, a new road had come through and it messed up the drainage and as a result of that his barn was flooding and this was a historic old barn, and he, he didn't want to tear it down and try to move it, but he, but he knew that he needed to move it. And so he tried to figure out a way, and his son came up with and devised a plan. And with a lot of metal and some welding, he put together a framework and invited people in the community to come and help him move the barn. Let's watch what happens.
1: This is Herman Ostry, and it was his idea to move a 20,000-pound barn with only manpower. Because of new road construction, Herman Ostry's barn from the 1920s kept flooding. In 1988, he asked for volunteers to help move it by hand. Thousands turned out in Bruno, Nebraska to watch. Many thought the plan would fail, but Herman was always confident. 100% that it's gonna work because i faith in them, our maker. Okay,
0: everyone, all together slowly and steadily live. There she goes,
1: baby! 344 people signed up and methodically lifted and walked the nearly 20-ton barn, 115 feet to its new location. Herman Austria is still frustrated by one thing, though. Everybody thought it was important except the Guinness Book. The Guinness Book of Records rejected the Austria's application, because using human muscle to move a barn is not an activity of widespread interest. What would Herman say now if the Guinness people showed up? It's about
0: <laughs> I don't know, but I just kind of think that The church looks like people who are very different standing side by side to give ourselves to something that's bigger than we are. And the way that happens is when we say Christ is the head of the church and God, I want you to give me your heart. I want you to give me your mind. I want you to give me your strength and I'm going to live for you hand in hand, side by side with others who do the same. And when we give ourselves to things that have eternal significance, we will make an eternal difference. And that's what God has called us to do. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the message today, the reminder. The fact that we have to have this conversation is embarrassing. This is so simple, so easy. But we live in a world that is so divided and we have an enemy that is working over time to separate us. Opinions matter, truth matters, but God, we've gotta make sure that we have your mind, your heart, your plan, your purpose, that we give ourselves to you. And we move forward valuing every person that is a part of the body of Christ. And those who are not so that through our love for them they may become a part of the body of christ help our church to become that so that the world can see and know you and for that we say thank you in jesus name amen
1: from everyone
0: at South Cliff church thank you for joining us today if you would like more information about Southcliff Church, please go to southcliff.com. To share a testimony of how God has encouraged you through this ministry, send an email to scpodcast at southcliff.com. That's scpodcast at southcliff.com. Click the Give button on our webpage to discover how this ministry is supported. Financial gifts help accomplish the mission God has given us.